Are you ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! Look at me, short. I'm the captain now. Welcome to the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Supercoach Co-Captains Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dano, and with me as always, we have the fucking angry Pado. Welcome, Pado. Oh, mate, I, oh, yeah, I've, I've been dreading this one, actually, Dano, <laughs> the forward line, because there's a big elephant in the room to discuss, and we're going to have to address him, um, but we'll get to that when we get to it. But, yes, lovely to be here once again with you, Dano. Um, let, let's get into it. Let's have a quick sip of the hard cider. <laughs> Proudly sponsored, need more than really. that to get through this, Dano. Well, the first two are we, we're, we're calling the primo locks, like every team has to have these guys and they're primo locks. And the first one's Josh Dunkley at 558K in 50% of the teams, half the comp has him. And rightfully so, he's a fucking jet. I don't think we really need to talk too much more on Dunkley, do we? No, I'm surprised that he's not the most owned forward, if I'm completely honest, Dano. But I think people will get one look at him through preseason and that'll float up towards 60 or 70%. So, yeah, I think Dunkley's absolute must-have. Don't even think twice about it. Lock him in. Now, the next guy who's a must-have in our opinion, and we don't really want to give the stamp of the Supercoach co-captains fucking lock on this bloke because we don't like him, but it's Jordan DeGoey. At 463,000, he's in 13% of teams. When he moved to the midfield for Collingwood, he was a fucking gun. Ugh, feels dirty saying it, doesn't it? Feels fucking dirty. Um, More telling me, mate. But Pato's trying to internalize all of his rage because, unfortunately, in super coach world, there is no time for wokeness if you want to win. So, yeah, I think you have to pick Jordan Degoe, Pato. Uh, I know, I, I don't want to admit it, but it's a very big elephant in the room. Now, unfortunately, this elephant likes to sexually abuse other women without their consent. He got um, which off. Which we definitely do not condone uh, here at the Supercoach Co-Captains. He did get um, off. However, how, he did get off, but um, he, yeah, anyway, um, it's amazing what money can do for you. But oh, shit. Let's ignore that for one second, Dano. Not that it's easy to ignore, but when playing in the midfield last year, so round 11, he moved to the midfield. In a loss against the Cats, he scored 88 and he had 26 touches. The following week, he played a little bit more forward uh, and played the Crows and got 70. But from then on, Dano, and this is why we say this motherfucker is a lock. 115, 114, 124, 114, 80. 138, 85, 119, 102. It's just, it's too, you can't ignore it, Dano. Um, as much as I want to, you cannot not have this guy in your team, um, obviously, as long as he's not in jail. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. You're just going to have to start. And the fact that he's 460 odd thousand as well, um, I'm shocked that this guy's in less than 15% of teams. Um, obviously, yeah. they're a new coach at Collingwood. So, I mean, there is scope there for the role to change, but it's hard to imagine anyone else playing that midfield role other than him. Um, yeah. He's going to play midfield. He's going to average 110 um, as long as he's not in jail. So I think you've got to pick him, and that's that. Yeah, yeah. Kmart Dusty's the way to go. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, Pato, you want to put this guy in as a, a primo lock, but I, I think he's more of a, 
a risk, to be honest. And that's Zach Butters at 443K in 23% of the team. He's a breakout contender. Last year, what did he get before he got injured? 98 and 163 in his first two rounds last year. Um, playing in that midfield, uh, that the Port Adelaide played around with a little bit with their structure, um, but got to that for round one. And then he went down. I think he had an ankle injury or something, Dano. Um, but that's remember. irrelevant. Then came back and sort of floated around a little bit. But he's at his best in his midfield. And I, and I feel like this is going to be his year where he really breaks out. Now, it was meant to be last year. Um, it looked all, all guns blazing the first two weeks. And then he went down with that injury. But the guy's 21 years old. He's played 48 games. So I think he's ready to explode pretty much this is his fourth year in afl system 2020 averaged 88 uh last year we averaged just the 82 but i I feel like that's going to go up towards 95 plus and that's why i think he's a lock dano yep Uh, i think he's more of a riskier option myself but moving on to those question marks riskier options where i would put zach butters we've got our first one we're going from kmart dusty being a lock to the actual dustin martin being a question mark so he's 503k in 28 percent of teams Burned a lot of people uh, last year, but he played more forward and then he fucked up his kidney. Um, but he's changed his body a bit now. And from what Jayru was saying uh, for Richmond, that he's going to go back to 2017-style Dusty and that he's going to play pretty much more mid and float up forward from time to time. So that's kind of tantalising in a way, but this is the first year I'm not starting Dusty. Um, Pato, what are you doing? What do you think? Now... It's an interesting time of year at the moment, Dano, because a lot of clubs, a lot of captains, a lot of players at clubs come out and there's a lot of smoke screen going around. There's always a handful of guys at every club who are training the house down. It's that old classic cliche. Um, and a lot of it is smoke screen, I think. A lot of it's just like, oh, yeah, he's trying hard to try and be best 22. He's trying to get into the team for round one. And then he gets found out because all of a sudden the veterans start actually playing. But... When it's Dustin Martin, it's a little bit different, Dano. Um, and there's tangible evidence as to why he's going to have a really big year. He's lost weight um, and he hasn't lost weight um, in, in the poor sense. He's lost muscle mass. So he has worked on his fitness, okay? Because he couldn't do contact training up until about January, Dano. So yep. what could he do? He could run, 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 run. So he got lean, lost a little bit of muscle, which means he's going to he's still going to spend absolutely time up forward. He's too good in front of goals not to. But I have a feeling he'll play about 70 or 80% midfield time and he'll still get his one or two goals a game. And that makes me think that he's going to go back to at least a 100 average Dano. And that's why I think at 503,000, he is in for a really, really big year. Now, his best year was 2017 um, and he averaged 119. But if you look at his other scores since then, Dana, so last year he just had the 92.5. Um, his role changed around a little bit because we had some midfield injuries at Richmond and, and it fluctuated a little bit. But the previous years from that, Dana, 101 in 2020, 100 flat in 2019, 2018, 104, 2017, as I said, 119, 2016, 108, 2015, 105. So all he needs to do is average 100 and that's a win. Um, up forward, Dana will absolutely take that. So... If we look at uh, the current list this year, Dano, there's only one forward available in Supercoach that averaged over 100 last year, and that's Josh Dunkley. So 100 is the benchmark. Well, 100 is almost over the benchmark because um, there's only three guys that average over 95 in the forward line this year. So I think Dusty's going to be in that group. That's why I think it should be a lock in your starting squad because he's playing Carlton and he loves a 140 score against them every year. I think it off around one only. <laughs> um, 
In saying that, though, we've got to remember we are going to have positional changes around six and 12 and whatnot. So we Dusty might, yeah, average 100 flat, but then we could get, yeah, Bontempelli's and all that averaging like 110 shifting down into the forward line. So it's a toughie, but I, I think if Dusty goes back to 2017, Dusty, you can't go fucking wrong there. Next one is Mitchie Duncan, who I have in my side at the moment. He's 540K, 28% of teams. Main concerns are his injury history. He never plays 22 games, um, but I think this year he's going to string them together. I don't mind the five bonus trades as well. So I, I think Mitchie Duncan, you can't go wrong in your forward line. I'd say that he's a lock in the forward line, but you can't really call him a lock when his injury history is fucked all over the place. What do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, I... On face value, this looks really good. Um, Mitch Duncan is a gun, has scored really heavily in the past, but I, the injuries are concerning for me. And I, I've i got different guys locked into my starting squad. And when I take into consideration that we are going to pick up some forwards through DPP swings, I don't know how keen I am to start Mitch Duncan. Um, and, I, and I think at 540,000, you can afford to wait and see what his role is and what how he's going to score. Because... He's 31 in June, Dano, so he's no spring chicken, even though he's probably on the lower 50%, uh, 50th percentile at Geelong. Um, but he's averaged 100 for the four years previous to last year, where he averaged 99. So the numbers are there. Um, it's just what the role is really for me, and I think it's a wait and see for me. Yep, yep, that's fair enough. Uh, moving on to someone who, honestly, I am not touching with a 10-foot uh, pole in the first five games. As Timmy Taranto at 529K in 19% of teams, and I don't know why. Um, I do know why, but if people have actually been watching the news, um, Toby Green misses the first five games, and now Brent Daniels is fucking down for half the season. Timmy Taranto can play that forward role. They're going to roll him through there, um, and especially while Toby's gone. And with Brent Daniels down, he's definitely going to be there now. So don't be surprised if he pops out a 50 score here and there because he the Giants can't get the ball in the forward line or some shit. Um, yeah, his price will drop. And when he goes back to the midfield is when I'd, I'd take him personally. Um, so he's going to get a massive discount there. What do you reckon, Pato? I absolutely agree. I want to see him in that midfield before I, I bring him in. Um, I'm not going to wait around. We know that he's going to be that replacement for Toby Green up forward. And while he's doing that, I don't want to bar of him. Um, I think his price will drop as well. It could even drop below 500,000, Dano. So if we can get Timmy Taranto at about 480,000 by round 10, um, that's really juicy for me. But yeah, it's an upgrade target for me, not a starting pick. Yep, yep. As my housemate slams the door there. And anyway, <laughs> next one is Adam Trelora at 483K, 13% of teams. His role's the big one though. That's a big question mark. Will he play midfield or not? We don't fucking know. Um, it's kind of a wait and see, I think, with him. Maybe preseason wait and see. But again, Bevo's salad, Pato. Don't know what the fuck. If he can return back to the Trelaw of old, he's a fucking lock, but don't know. Yeah, there's also the injury concerns as well, don't know, with those hamstrings. Um, but if he can look really good in preseason and look like he's got a pretty solid midfield role, it'd be really hard not to start him at 483,000 in the forward line. Not quite sure why he's in 13% of teams personally, because I yeah, there are way too many question marks for me, but definitely one to keep an eye on. A huge POD next is uh, a guy that I had last year, um, but we got him on the cheap. 
was Tom Hawkins. He's 5'10K in 2% of teams, consistent scorer, but he's a key forward and people don't like the fact that he's a fucking key forward. Um, but he can pump out a hundred plus consistently. Occasionally he'll drop in a 50 game here and there, but he can score up to 140. He can fucking almost go 200 if he wants to, like it doesn't bother him. So um, if you want a big POD, he's one to look at, but I can guarantee you that he will drop in price at some stage during the season. Your thoughts, Pato? It's not a sexy pick. And I think that's why he's in such few amount of teams um, at just, sorry, I've lost him there at 2%. But he's consistent. Um, you know what you're going to get. Uh, he's, he'll score more than 80 more often than he won't. Um, but he will have the odd stinker. And if you can manage that, I think it's a good pick. But with the forward, what the forward rookie situation looks like it's going to be, I don't think Tom Hawkins is a great starting pick personally. Yeah, same. Um, especially when we go over the ones that we're about to discuss in a few players' time. Anyway, Jakey Stringer's the next one. 506K, 4% of teams. Can he be trusted in that midfield? Can he be trusted at all, Pato? Yeah, another one that um, we don't like here for moral reasons, Dano, but we'll discuss him because that's what we do. We talk about super coach. I can't see him playing the midfield role that he did last year. I know he was really good in that role when he did play in the guts, but Dylan Shields coming back in the team. Jai Caldwell, we mentioned him on the last podcast where we don't know where he fits in and Andrew McDonald and... I just can't see him playing the majority midfield minutes. I think he'll play about 20 or 30% of games in the midfield, but it's just not enough to score enough in my eyes. Uh, can I understand why 4% of teams are, are taking the risk? Yeah, sure. But I, I can't see him averaging over 90. I know who Andrew McDonald is, but I think you meant Andy McGrath. That's <laughs> definitely meant Andy McGrath. <laughs> Next one we got is Zach Bailey is a massive POD. 6% of teams, 459K. What the fuck's his role going to be? We don't know. He's always on like that cusp of like, is he going to play more mid? I think he's going to play forward. He's dangerous up there. He's a literally a match winner up there. I can't, yeah, I'm not going to pick him myself. Um, I think there's better value for less money, to be honest. Uh, but we got to put him on here anyway. So, Pado, what are your thoughts? See, I, I'm a little bit the other way, Dano. Um, he's 22 years old. He's played 70 games. I think he's ready to take a next step. And Someone's moving out of that half forward line, Dano, and he move into the half back line. And I think there's a role there available if they want it. And I think Zach Bailey is the perfect guy to play the Dane Zorko role from last year where he floats up into that forward line. And he was shuffled around a little bit at times there last year. He's had a couple of big scores last year, sort of tempting. And I think he could be a bit of a breakout guy this year, potentially. And, Am I ballsy enough to start him? No. Will I be surprised if he averages 95? Not at all. So wait and see with Zach Bailey. See what his preseason role is, I think. I like one of his teammates that we're going to discuss later a lot better. Um, Taron Taron Thomas, fuck me dead. Um, 459K and 7% of teams. He is an interesting one because when he started floating into that midfield, he started scoring really well towards the end of last year. So I don't mind people who want a POD to start Taron Thomas up forward. I reckon he's actually not a bad option at all. Pado, what do you reckon? Yeah, definitely a wait and see for me. Um, there's too many question marks there. They've brought in Jason Horn Francis, who I think is going to be the best kid in this draft. Looks like an absolute superstar. So he'll look really good in Adelaide Colors in three years. Um, they also brought in <laughs> Hugh Greenwood as well, who will definitely play that midfield role. And we mentioned it in the defense 
podcast, Dana, and I have a feeling that Jack Siebel might move into the midfield again as well. And you've also got Jai Simpkin and and those Jed Anderson, those yeah. sort of guys that Luke D- Davies Uniac. I I just don't know if the role's there. If the role's there, Taron Thomas is an excellent pick at four hundred fifty nine thousand. But he's another one that you've just got to stick on your watch list. Uh, unfortunately, probably have to put yourself through a North Melbourne preseason game, which will not be pretty. Uh, but for the sake of super coach, you're just going to have to do it and see what he looks like in that role. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the one that uh, Paddo was having a little bit of excitement uh, from last year and got a bit of a stiffy over the preseason is uh, Jack Graham at 457 K in 1% of teams. Now being the uh, Tigers expert that you are, Paddo, you want to discuss Jack Graham as a super coach option right now? I absolutely do want to discuss him as an option. So I, I touted at the end of last year, Dano, in our season reviews that Jack Graham is one that will probably pick up a, a forward status this year. Um, you were a little bit surprised that I said that, but sure enough, here it is. He's available yep. in the forward line. Now, this is definitely role dependent. And then, and I don't know for sure what Richmond are going to do with their midfield setup. We know that Dusty will probably play a lot of minutes in there. We know that Daniel Presti is coming back from injury, but how's the rest of the midfield going to look? Is Trent Cotchin going to play half back and do the Basha Hawley role? Or is he going to play midfield? Uh, Shea Bolton, where's he going to play? Um, and then you've got the young guys. You've got Jack Ross. You've got Jack Graham, obviously, that we're talking about now. You've got Riley Collier-Dawkins, uh, Thompson Dowler. There's a plenty of guys that could potentially play as that third or fourth midfielder. And I'm very keen to see who that's going to be. It could be Jack Graham. Jack Graham could even be the captain, Dano. And does that mean he gets a captaincy and moves into that midfield? We'll see. But um, he had some big games playing in the midfield last year. And I'm talking about Gibbs, big games where he gets eight or more tackles and plenty of clearances. And that's what we really like out of guys like, um, what's his name from Brisbane? Not Lockie Neal, the other one. Darren really bad. Yeah, Jared Lyons. He's that sort of midfielder. And I, I think once he gets that full-time role, he'll be a really good option. Hopefully that's this year. And if you can start him at 457000 and he has a year where he has that Jared Lyons type year, um, you'll be absolutely laughing. So last year he had a score of 154 against the Kangaroos. Now, granted, it was a Kangaroos, so you can't look too much into that. He had a 120 against the Brisbane Lions. Um, plenty of tackles, plenty of clearances, plenty of touches in that one. Um, and he had a 117 and 103 back-to-back against the Crows and the Bombers, which, again, not great midfields. 109 against the Giants, 123 against the Saints, 120 against the Blues in round one. I particularly remember that game. He was unreal and played midfield. And then the week after, they took him out of the midfield against the Hawks. So um, it's all role-dependent, but if he can nail that role, I think he's a really good option and available very cheap. So it would not surprise me if he makes that big jump this year. Now, are you avoiding his teammate, Shea Bolton, for any reason whatsoever? Because you've left him off the run sheet. Now, Shea Bolton, it must be said, is probably my favourite Richmond player, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I've left him off on purpose. I don't think he's going to play enough midfield to warrant selecting him in Supercoach. He had an unbelievable year last year. I was really early on him um, on this podcast. And, and that's why the people listen to us, Dana. We jump on Aaron Hall. We jump on Shea Bolton. We jump on the guys before... Everyone else talks about them, and, that, and that's where our value comes in, Dano. Now, Shea Bolton ticks all the boxes in terms of age profile. He's 23, played 67 games. But so does Jack Graham. Jack Graham's 12 months older, played about the same amount of games. So I think Jack Graham's a guy that will play the midfield. I think Shea Bolton's probably going to be stuck a little bit up forward, um, unfortunately. 
So I don't think that means he's going to be great for Supercoach. I can see him averaging about the 80, 85 mark. So it's just not quite going to be good enough to be considered as a premium pick. And that's why I didn't include him. That's fair enough, man. Um, Tim English, you've got on here, who's a ruck forward uh, at 482K, 4% of teams. So he's got the DPP. Uh, whatever the fuck role he's playing, sure. Like they got Stefan Martin. Um, surely Tim English can learn how to ruck by now. Fucking hell. Um, I remember when he was pumping out 200 scores. What the fuck? Anyway, uh, if he goes back to playing ruck and drifting forward and kicking goals, I reckon he's a lock. Um, but yeah, Bevo doesn't like him when he plays ruck uh, because like Brody Grundy makes him his bitch. Yeah, uh, what are your thoughts, Paddo? Yeah, they get destroyed when he plays ruck. So that's why the dogs don't love it. But he scores really well for Supercoach when they play when he plays the ruck. So definitely a wait and see. Now in 2020, he averaged 102 and had a really big year playing predominantly ruck and had some monster scores in there as well. He had that 204 that you were referencing, Dana. He had 145 against the Swans. It's just he's got that scope to have really, really big games, but it is so role dependent. And we'll see how healthy. Um, his Steph Martin is looking. They also recruited Tim O'Brien, who probably a little bit more of a forward, but can play ruck. So, I mean, who knows what Bevo's going to do? Um, we'll wait and see on that one. But if he's playing ruck, I think you can you find it really hard to not start Tim English if he's playing in the ruck. Yep, yep that's fair. Might be a not a bad uh, draft option there, Timmy English. Um, anyway. Mid-price madness. Here we go. Missed, uh, we're gonna. Sorry, Dano, you just missed one there. I don't know if you did it on purpose or not. Oh no. Oh yeah, no, I did do that on purpose uh, because I'm not oh. going to touch this motherfucker with a ten foot pole. Oh, okay. Well, I'll quickly reference him, Dano. Yeah. Um, Isaac Heaney for those playing at home. Burn man. He is a burn man, but he's a very talented burn man, and. I know I mentioned before that the smoke screen that a lot of teams put out about certain guys and Sydney put out some information about Callum Mills last year. And I know it sucked you in Dano and you were absolutely happy for it. Right. Oh, fuck. Yeah. That was the only Callum time Mills. that I knew. I knew that horse right. wasn't going to bullshit us. Yeah. And, and I, I get the feeling it's true this time. Um, finally, Dano, he had that ankle injury that was really serious last year that most other years he probably would have just gone on ice, but they were, Somehow thought they were a chance at doing being successful last year, um, as if they were ever going to win a final. But anyway, that's irrelevant. Um, he had some bigger scores towards the back end of last year, Dano. And that was probably still being hampered by that ankle. So, I, yeah, I, I know why you don't want to talk about it. I don't know. People aren't going to like it. He's in 10% of the teams at the moment. Yeah, um, but this is a, a wait, a wait and watch as well. Um, if he has that midfield role, it's going to be hard not to start him, because he's a guy that could probably average one ten, one fifteen. That's how good he is. But it's just so role dependent. Not only that, but the man's made a fucking tissue paper. I mean, didn't he like score like one twenty or one forty or something last year in round one, and then he just fucking broke down. Something he scored like 115, 102, 82 to start the first three years. That and it was Very against the Tigers that he did the ankle. Yeah, and then he he's got made a 44, tissue paper. 44-54-19 were his next three, um, hampered by that ankle. Finally missed a game, then came back against the Magpies, got 110-86-128. Then he aggravated the ankle, and then he went 55-42-57. And then 
turned a corner and went 80, 95, 86, 128, 98, 67, 87, 135, 106. So yeah, I just can't. I just can't do yeah. it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to wait and see what his role is. Um, he's probably going to play midfield in the preseason. He's probably going to suck a lot of people. Is he going to suck me in? Uh, we'll wait and see, but probably. I, I, even if he scores 120 to 140 or even 160 in round one, I'm not going to panic and bring him in because he could he could just fucking drop and get a 20 and get subbed out the next game. I just can't do it. I've got too many players coming back from injury in the lower below 300,000 in my team, and then I just can't do it with someone who's 454. Anyway, we'll go to mid-price there madness are, now. Yeah, there are some very good options uh, under 300,000 up forward, which we're about to talk about. So yeah, I can definitely understand that. Is this bloke that we're about to talk about the most selected player in Supercoach at 62%? If he's not, I don't know why he isn't. Yeah, it's, it's Stephen Cornelio, uh, one of my five or four or five locks from last year. Um, that I said would be a lock for 2022. He's 261K. Can't, can't ignore his previous history. Last year, the Giants brought him back from his um, long-term injury and they basically hobbled him through the forward line to try and get some games into him. He's not a fucking forward. Not a fucking forward at all. He played basically on one leg, severely hampered his scoring, but he played enough games to get that massive discount for what his average was. He will roll through the midfield again, because he is fit and firing. You look at the Giants training. He doesn't have a care in the fucking world right now. He doesn't have, he's not the sole captain anymore. We've got the co, with triple co-captains now. Um, ease the burden on him there. He can focus on his footy. He can get back to it. And he will have to play some forward line probably in the first five rounds. But at 261,000, he'll rest up there. But at that at that price, it doesn't really fucking matter. If he can go out there and even average over 90 at 261K, that's fucking huge. Um, I I honestly think that Canelio can end up being a keeper for the year um, if he gets back to his best and average around 100. Um, he, his best, I think, was like 108 or 110 or something, wasn't it, at one stage there in Supercoach? Um, way back when. I'm pretty sure. His best year was 108 in 2018. Yeah, there we go. 2018 form. Fuck me dead. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, the, the big question mark for me is health. Um, he's had two years where he's played 21 games, and that's 16 and 18. And every other year, he hasn't gone over 18. So, that's where the big red flag is for me. Um, now, I think I like to think best and worst case scenarios for every single player, don't I? And yeah, yeah. Emilio wasn't in my first draft but he is now in my team because worst case scenario. So round one and two last year where he was playing midfield, he only had 24 and 22 touches respectively, but he scored 88 and 80. I he think that's even, the ceiling. He, he wasn't even sold mid then either. Correct. Correct. So I think worst case scenario, you can see an 80 to 90 average and you're more than happy with that with a 261 guy. Uh, he's going to get to 450,000 by the buys and you move him on. Best case scenario, Dano, he gets back to a 198, 100 sort of average like he has in the past, and he becomes your F6 or your F5 or whatever it is. So yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with this pick, Dano, unless, of course, he spends the whole year injured again. But that's that's a caveat with a lot of guys. And I, I don't think you should be – I don't, I don't think people should be taking multiple injury risks. But I think if you're going to take one or two injury-prone guys – as a risk, I think Cornelio has to be a priority. And if you want to go for a second, then you look at that 
individually, but I think Cornelio is a must-have. Yeah, next bloke that we're going to discuss is a Brisbane player by the name of Cam Rayner. 278k, 26% of teams. He was last year on everyone's radars because he was playing in that midfield role and then he fucking went down in preseason and I felt bad for some of the guys in my draft leagues because they drafted before that game and like they drafted Cam Rayner quite early because they thought he was going to absolutely pop off and yeah, he went down with injury. So He's a former number one pick uh, compared to Dustin Martin. Has a fucking sexy fend-off, but the new rules with the fend-off is going to be interesting with that. Um, is he going to be a trap, though, Pato? I don't think he is at 278K. Uh, judging by his training at the moment and the match simulations, he's fucking standing out over other players in that Lions midfield right now, and that's scary good. So we know how good Camarena can be based on potential, He's finally going to have a clean run at it. Hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood. Touch wood right there. Um, what do you reckon, Pato? I disagree with you there, Dano. I Ooh. think this has trap written all over it. I think there's probably going to be three Brisbane Lion forwards that will average more than Cam Rayner will. Um, Your mentor. Obviously, Dane Zorko, I think, will. Um, and who are the other super coach forwards that I think will? Zorko, uh, even a forward? Yeah, he is. Oh, he no, he's not a forward. No, he's a fucking no, he's a mid. Don't mind me. Yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> Don't mind me. Um, I, I think it's a massive trap, though. I think um, I think the guy that's going to move back into the midfield is Jared Berry, and we, we mentioned that in the midfield podcast. Yes, and I think when you look at the first choice midfield group, I think it's Berry, Neil, and... Lions. What no, it's, going to be, it's going to be and Rain and Jet. Neil Lions. Rain and Neil Lions. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens in preseason. I, and I think coming off an ACL is a little bit of a trap as well. So not for me. I think there's better options for about 50,000 less, Dana, and we're about to talk about a few of those. Yeah. And the one one of the ones that you're referring to right now is Will Brody. At 224K, 14% of teams touted for midfield minutes at Frio, left the Gold Coast Suns, um, needed more opportunity. But again, in preseason, we look at his match simulations and all that. He had no Fife. Yeah, no Monday. So he's got those two ahead of him already. Um, but 224K, if he plays, great. That's awesome. He'll make you money. Thoughts, Pato? Now, I really like this pick, Dano. Mm. This is a former top 10 pick from the Gold Coast Suns who is 23 years old and he's just been starved to opportunity. He has had... A year in 2019 where he averaged 80. Can I just say, you know who else was a former top 10 pick? Who? Richard Tambley. Yes. Well, (laughs) he wasn't great. But that was before Richmond learned how to recruit. But I look at 2018, Dana, and I see some big possession scores. I see two tons in there. He only played the eight games that year, and that was really the best year he had. This is just someone that's starved of opportunity. He played four games last year. He played one game the year before, and they sort of threw him around a little bit. This is purely role dependent. I'm not locking him into my team. He's not in my team currently, but I'm not shocked that there's 14% of teams with Will Brody in it because he's doing really well with match simulation at Frio. Uh, Nat Fife, I don't think is a worry coming back. I think he should be playing midfield if Frio is serious about playing finals, but that's another issue. That five needs I think to play that midfield for play them. 
I think that I think... needs to play fucking midfield for them to. No, I, that's what I mean. I agree. I agree. And and they think he's going to play up forward. Same with Michael Walters and same with, oh, and then you've got David Mundy, old man Mundy, who's somehow still bloody playing footy. Um, going to win the right on midfield... for Geelong. David Mundy next year. <laughs> He'll be a really good recruit for them in the national draft <laughs> as a mature age rookie. Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, I, th- I think there's minutes there available at Freo. I think Brayshaw's the man there, and I think Will Brody can absolutely fit into that midfield. Um, with Adam Chera leaving, I think he'll move into that role there and be a really good option at 224,000. Uh, we spoke about having reliable, cheap guys available to fill the void for guys that might miss games because of COVID. And I think Brody ticks a really big box. Yep, yep. That's fair. That's fair. Um, the next bloke who's won, I had him in my preseason team the whole time and then I found out that he got injured, so I took him out. And now apparently he's not injured and he's dominating in cracky games. And that's Jade Gresham. 299K, 24% ownership, midfield role apparently, according to Timmy Mitchell. Um, apparently... I think last year he was burning it in the midfield in preseason too. So Jade Gresham's one to look at. He doesn't need much of the pill to score good. And that's the beauty of it. He's kind, he kind, you know, like how the bond doesn't only needs like 18 disposals to crack 120. I feel like Gresham's going to be the same. He's going to just be efficient as fuck. Um, and if he can average like 24, 25 disposals, fucking hell, he, he will be an absolute gem of a pick. Uh, what do you reckon, Pato? Yeah, I'm a little bit on the fence with Gresham. He's definitely on my watch list. Um, in his first two games last year, while he was healthy, he scored 82 and 104, playing that midfield role with 28 and 29 touches, respectively. Then he got injured in round three for a 20, so we'll ignore that. So, look, this is guy. This is a guy that's been touted to play midfield the last two years. Um, 2020, he was a little bit disappointing. Um, had some okay scores, but also had some dud scores. So... Because he's available as a forward, you can maybe take the risk, but I, I, I think he's a little bit too expensive to want to take that risk personally at 299000 I think there's maybe better options for slightly cheaper to take that risk. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Um, the next one we got is a user, uh, well, we call it user, listener submitted one, which is Lukey Jackson. A lot of people are getting on Lukey Jackson. He's a ruck forward, 389K in 10% of teams, but what will his role be? At Melbourne, um, he started doing more of the ruck load last year. Um, does that mean that Maxi Gorn's going to rest up more forward? What the fuck's going to happen? Are they going to start passing the torch across to Lukey Jackson? I don't know. I don't know. But he's one to look at, isn't he, Pato? Yeah, definitely keep an eye on him. I, I have a feeling that they're going to ease Max Gorn into the year. I don't think he's going to play a bunch of minutes in the ruck early. But... When push comes to shove and maybe Melbourne is sitting four and three after round seven and they think, oh, shit, we need to win some games here. Otherwise, other teams will overtake us. And that's when I think he'll sort of kick into gear and play a bit more ruck. So I think Luke Jackson's a really good down-the-track option, but well down the track. I I, I think Max Gorn's still the guy in that ruck. Okay. So as a forward option, you're not the biggest fan of Lukey Jackson. That's okay. Um, we got the next bloke who's big fucking Willie. Big Willie Rioli, 225K, 3% of teams, back from his suspension. Um, he's cheap as fuck, but he's a forward pocket. Um, not the greatest position 
for super coach scoring, to be honest. Um, and yeah, so it all it all really depends on if we can get some of those forward rookies actually playing Pato. Um, I personally am not going to touch Willie Rioli, but what are your thoughts? Uh, look, I think he's on my radar, but I don't love it. And it, it's all depending on how many rookie forwards we get and, and whether they're forward pockets or not. So the thing with forward rookies is if it's a key forward or it's a, it's a forward pocket, that's not great to start with. And the forward rookie situation does look pretty bare. Um, the cupboard is very empty. So we may be forced into taking Willie Rioli as an F7 just because we know he's going to play every week. And we know he's not an 18-year-old kid playing forward pocket. Hopefully something emerges. Um, but it's not looking great. So we may be forced into picking him or the next guy, Dano, um, but we'll see. And who is the next guy, Pato? Next guy is Charlie Kerno, who I actually like better than Willa Rioli. Um, pretty much the same price. He's just 1,000 cheaper. Um, he's in 25% of teams, though, so that's a little bit of a different situation there. Yep, yep. But I think Charlie's scoring potential is better than Willie's. Um, I think, I think he he looked okay at times last year, Charlie, um, when he came back from that knee injury, and I know that was an ACL. But I did watch a fair few Carlton games last year because, unfortunately, at different times I had all the wrong Carlton players. I had didn't have Sam Walsh, but I had Patrick Cripps and I had Zach Williams and I had <laughs> who else did I have? Dano. I had that fucking other mid as well. Um, yeah, oh, the number one. <laughs> The, num- the number one pick that was, um, yeah, Paddy Dow. Yeah, I don't the, know the why sec- the fuck you touched that, man. I don't the know second why second best Dow in the comp. Um, <laughs> but, terrible. I mean, at his best, in his third year, Charlie Kerno averaged 78. And are we going to take that as a 224,000 price guy? Yeah, probably. Um, can he get up to an 85 to 90? I think he can. Um, so, we'll, we'll see how he looks in preseason. But he's a dynamic player. Um, he kicks goals. He gets plenty of the footy because... He, it just sort of it comes to him. It is one of those enigmas. So, yeah, I do like the Charlie Kerno option um, better than Willow Rioli. Let's put it that way. Well, let's let's take it back to 2019, Pato. So, round one versus the Tigers, he got a 44. Then round two against the Power, he got a seven. Just seven. I don't like. Got, just quickly, Dana. I don't like talk, talking about 2019 for personal okay. reasons. That's all good. That's all good. Let's, let's carry on. That's all good. Um, I, I can't remember that year. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember much. Um, so, yeah, round one against the Tigers, 44. Round two against the Power, he only got a seven. He missed round three. Round four against the Suns, he got 69. Then he came back round seven, got a 76. Then round eight against the Magpies, 57. Round nine against the Giants, 58. Round 10 against the Saints. This is where he started kicking into gear. Round 10 against the Saints, he got 89. Round 11 versus the Bombers, 93. Round 12 versus the Lions, 102. Round 13 against the Western Bulldogs, 154. And then he got injured, went down early against the Dockers and got a five. So he has that potential to go fucking boonanas. Let's go yeah, to the, and the previous thing is, year, 2018. So that wasn't even his quick- highest averaging year, that one. That was when he went down with injury. His highest averaging year, he got 126, 110, 108, 114, and 107. But he can do it. He can, he can and he's not someone that needs to keep big bags of goals to score big, Dano. Now, in that big 154 game against the Dogs in 2019, he kicked seven. Um, but I see tons here um, against the Suns, for example, 107. One goal, one. Um, and, and 18 touches. Yep. Against the Saints in 2018, 16 touches, one goal. Happy as Larry. Um, yep. So he doesn't need to kick big goals in order to score well. 
So that's why I think it's a really good option. He gets the footy no matter what um, for a key forward. So yeah, sure. He is still prone to those sort of 50 or 60 scores um, as every key forward is, but I think it's a better option than Willa Rioli because yeah, Willa Rioli 100%. to score 100 would have to kick at least four or five goals. Not even. He has to kick seven, I reckon. Pretty much, yeah, because he's not getting 15 to 20 touches in a game with eight to 10 marks and contested marks and whatnot. So yeah, I do like Charlie Kerner, who's on my radar for sure. Yeah, apparently he's flying as per everyone else in the preseason. Um, but the last pick, which I have not seen anyone fucking discuss, Pato, and there's Jackie Gunston at 355K. He's only in 1% of teams. But what the fuck's his role going to be, Pato? Well, that's a big question mark. Jack Gunston is just your, your classic put him wherever you need sort of guy. And that's what strikes me because he's only 30. You feel like he's a lot older than that, but he's 30 and he's played 200 games. Premiership player, as we know with the Hawks. Now, at his best, he never averaged 100, but he averaged around 96 a couple of times and sort of low 90s at other times. So at 355,000, that's a little bit tempting. Um, it just depends. Now, being a lower half of the of the latter team, which I feel like Hawthorne are going to be, I, are they going, is Sam Mitchell going to want to put Jack Gunston behind the ball in order to help with their defence? just like North Melbourne did last year with their veteran guys, quite potentially. And we know Jack Gunston playing that halfback role is really good. Now, we spoke about it in the defence podcast. So they've got a lot of options in defence. And that's why I think it's worth mentioning Jack Gunston because he is someone that could also play that back role. Is he going to play it over Sicily? No. Is he going to play it over Will Day? I mean, Will Day may play a wing. Uh, Jack Gunston may play a wing. But, yeah, it's a wait and see what his role is. Now, if they just chuck him up forward, it, it's a big fat no from me. But I think Jack Gunston needs to be someone that you keep an eye on and just keep in the back of your head. Now, should he be in anyone's team right now? No, absolutely not. But just see what Sam Mitchell does with him because Sam Mitchell played with Jack Gunston, so he knows exactly what he can do. And I think he's going to be a pretty valuable veteran for them in a team that doesn't have a lot of those veteran guys. So he's finally healthy. Um, He's only played the one game last year, so he should be fresh and ready to go. And I, yeah, he's a restricted, unrestricted free agent at the end of 2022 as well. So contract year, older guy, uh, veteran leadership. Where's he going to play? Let's see. But I, yeah, it, it's not a bad thing to keep in the back of your head. Yep, yep. Well, anyway, that's all we've got time for uh, today before the lawnmower starts going in the background. Um, but we'll discuss the rucks and rookies and whatnot. Um, here we go. It's already starting. Um, uh, next podcast. So from us at the Supercoach Co-Captains, I am Dano. And I'm Pato. And this is us signing. The fuck off, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah, yeah.